Welcome to the Talk and Chatter Experience, powered by Gasoline Alley. I'm your host, Mick. Today's guest is the recipient of the Order of Australia medal, two times Dakar winner, six times Fink winner on a motorcycle, and now the first person to win Fink in a car and on a bike. It's the king of the desert. Welcome, Toby Bryce. Mate, good to have you. Thank well. Good to be here. Good to have me. Good to have you. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Great start. Full <laughs> 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 loss of train of thought. Now yeah. that's a bloody good start. Yeah, it's beautiful. Mate, who's um who's Toby Price? For, um, I don't know. Just basically some country kid, redneck, I guess, with a mullet. That's about all I put myself <laughs> down to. And um, yeah, someone just likes going fast. So it's uh, yeah, definitely get to have some fun doing the things I do around the world and. I'm um, very grateful for it, but it's uh, also at the same time a lot of, lot of work. Mate, that's one thing that you, you do see is the amount of work you put into it. Like it's just a non-stop thing, hey? Yeah, it's it. It's non-stop. Um, a lot of people don't, yeah, realise that it's half the time I'm I'm pretty much hands-on with it and um, trying to keep my program going. It's uh, basically back at my shop. It's just me, mum and dad. And um, yeah, Dad does a lot of work around the shop as well, but uh, for myself, yeah, I, I like to get my hands dirty and um, I'm the one that's making the mess, so I should be um, chipping in to, to clean up the mess as well. So it's no, it, it's good. It's um, Yeah, it keeps me out of trouble, I guess, and um, keeps you on two wheels and on four wheels and uh, striving for that next goal, so it's it's good. It's good fun. It, um, it, seem, it seems like it's very important to have your mum and dad around. That must be a big part to it, eh? Yeah, for sure. Like having mum and dad around it, um, that's that's how it all started for me when I was a four-year-old kid going to the races with mum and dad. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, the last couple of years is basically where I've been able to kind of bring them back into the, the Toby Price Motorsport program and, um, yeah, have, have mum and dad around uh, just doing odd jobs, mate. Like it's it, it takes a lot, of, lot more pressure off my hands of worrying about, yeah, trying to clean the shop up and... Um, keep all like the parts and everything in their separate places and where they need to go and um yeah dad's all up on scratch on that and uh yeah dad's basically an all-rounder um you give him a job and yeah he'll uh, he'll get it done and get it all sorted so and that's from anything from electrical work the, when we're working on the trailer um he basically outfitted the whole thing inside the 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 trailer and um put like a bit of a living area up front and tie down points and everything in it and then uh yeah, and a couple of lights didn't work on the outside. Next thing, he's like an electrician. So it's uh, pretty wild. Sometimes I wouldn't even know where to start looking wow. for diagnosing problems, but uh, dad's dad's straight onto it, so it, it works well. Yeah, it seems like he's like the perfect fit into like a race team, like when we had Joe in here. Can be across so many different puzzles, I yep. guess, and put them together. Yeah, 100%. And that's, um, yeah, from the podcast I did with Joe uh, yep. a few weeks ago there, um, yeah, Joe, Joe was also a massive big part uh, of, of my program, even though he does live in the States. Um, he, uh, yeah, I always call him for some guidance and make sure everything is all, all kind of good and where it needs to be. And, um, yeah, Joe, Joe keeps us on the straight and narrow. And, uh, unfortunately, yeah, Joe's gone back to the States. So I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling a little, a little lost without him. Um, yeah, working on this trophy truck in the shop, but mechanically minded, I'm not too bad, but yeah, just got to, uh, I probably just take my time a little bit more to make sure that I, don't misplace something or put something out of yeah. place. But Joe, uh, you, you give him a gearbox to rebuild and he'll rebuild it. And you, you give him an engine, he'll rebuild the thing if he has to. And shocks, he'll do the shocks. So it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it's hard to find the people that basically can, can be an all-rounder and yeah. do everything. Like it's, 
most of the time nowadays it's people specialize in certain areas and then that's where they're comfortable they do an exceptional job at it but you give them another job and they're in a completely different world and they don't want to try and touch it and be a, be a part of it so it's no it's good it's good that it's um yeah we've got a good program and good people in my corner and that's it like it's without them people it I wouldn't succeed and be at the be at the front of the pack of everything. So it uh, without them, um, yeah, I wouldn't be be doing what I'm doing. I'm I'm lucky enough to hang around you a bit and stuff. I see you as the fun guy at dinner and you're a laughing guy. When the helmet goes, I haven't been there for this side of it. Yeah, are you different? Because you're a winner. Like, oh yeah, for sure. I I think um, not different as a person, but just once the helmet goes on. It, it's it, it's time for work and it's mm. um yeah I, I'm determined and um don't want like I don't like things beating me too much and uh but you you've got to have that um yeah dinner tables and stuff like that yeah clown around and joke around and be, be an idiot good value yeah um but yeah like once once the time for work kicks in and um yeah it's it's all serious and it's all business and we need to we need to perform we have so many sponsors on board that we need to represent and do well. Um, so yeah, where, wherever you are, you just have to you have to perform and do well and be be good around everyone and um, yeah, man, make things work. So it's it's a it's a never ending uh, process really. So it's it's definitely difficult. One of the things you touched on before is you know your program and a supercar team has 17, 18 rounds a year, right? You race a couple basically yep that must be a hard thing to because there's so much work in between too like it's not like um you just go back and just stop it must be so much to do with that eh? oh 100 i'm i'm super glad that we don't have 17 rounds that we have to go and race <laughs> um because then yeah my program would have to be a, a lot stronger and have more crew and more people but um yeah for what we have at the moment and how many races we do um on two wheels and four wheels uh it, it keeps it quite pretty balanced like i'm i'm almost at that point where i could probably take on um another person and uh we yeah like having joe here a couple of weeks ago uh, there, there is some thought process into maybe trying to get him here to australia and um basically helping me run my program a little bit but then also um yeah just kind of put the word out that that's kind of a direction i want to go i want to try and build the sport a little bit and and i want everybody to rock up at races and and have yeah perfectly prepped cars and and things ready to go for an event and weekends so yeah it's a it's a a thought that's in process to to try and get joe and uh, and his family here full time and um try and get some some business for him to um keep him sustainable and survive through here but then also it kind of helps helps my program as well a little mm. bit so yeah it's um it, it's never ending that's for sure it just uh it's always there's always something to do and there's always something to improve and um yeah we're like myself and our crew is is never perfect but we're always trying to strive for that perfect situation and, and perfect area where we need to be so it's yeah it's uh it's a good challenge it's um yeah, it's one thing just just to see it all happening in action and obviously the pack up before going to thinking that it was just like a whole lot of moving parts that were somewhat synchronicity it was pretty good yeah it went well it. It, it all went well um yeah so from basically the fink trip we had um yeah like it, it, there's probably been two months preparation for it and um people just think it kind of like all falls together and in place and 
um, yeah, two nights before you're out to leave, you just load everything in the truck. But it's, I had Joe over here four weeks, four, yeah, nearly four and a half yep. weeks prior to to the event, and um, yeah, the guy never really had a had a day off. Like he only had a Sunday off, and um, yeah, took him around, showed him the good old Gold Coast and and those areas. But yeah, other time it was just pretty much yeah trying to. Uh, make sure the wheels and tyres are all prepped and up the yeah. pressure and um, ready to go and then make sure we have the spare parts and trying to find sp- parts and like spots in, in the trailer to make sure everything's all organised and prepped and ready to go and then make sure we have race fuel, um, making sure all the truck and transporter itself was uh, in tip-top shape, which on the way out didn't go to plan. Um, <laughs> so it's... Uh, but yeah, just making sure you've got spare tyres for the truck and spare tyres for the trailer and uh, spare filters, spare airlines. It just, it, it's so many things that you have to try and like manage mm. and put together. Um, and like 80% of the time, I'm, I'm the one that's on top of it to, to make sure if we need that, we're going to get it. If we don't have it, let, let's find it. And it's just, yeah, it's a big old process, but it's, um, I don't know, I, I like to keep myself, I like to keep my mind active and... Um, I don't like too much resting and uh, yep. while you're sitting around and uh, chilling, it's, um, yeah, you're kind of throwing away precious time to, to try and be prepared and, and ready to go. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Definitely can't complain. Let's touch on Fink, mate. Congratulations. Yes. Nah, thank you very King much. Of the desert. Um, yeah, I was the first, the first guy to have uh, both trophies and two wheels and four wheels um, in its 44 five year history so um race has been around a fair while and uh yeah unfortunately it was not the double uh, that we mm. normally always try and strive for and um do it in the same weekend but uh at least yeah we've kind of ticked like i guess about a half box and yeah. um we'll uh yeah basically i think the, well, already we're a week after the event and uh plans are already starting to maybe get ready for next year already so it's that's what I mean. It just there's never never yeah. a rest day really. So it's uh it's good. We we got got the result we needed and um yeah, uh finally finally all those pieces of the puzzle came together. Let's talk about your journey out. How was it? <clears throat> yeah. Journey out was good. We started off well. First day was yeah, a, a good time and that was like just that excitement and hype that everything's loaded, packed and we're organized and um yeah, no, had no issues. We had a film crew following us um, for that first day and just getting some like drone shots and bits and pieces just of that road trip to, to yep. tell the story of it, how it all unfolds and how it goes. And um, yeah, all went really well the first day. We got pulled up to our camp spot and set up camp for our first night. And that's when you're like, ah, oh, this is, it's all about yep. to happen. It's, it's, it's coming around, it's around the corner and we're excited for it. And Day two, uh, yeah, all kicked off really well. And then, um, yeah, dad came across the radio and was like, oh, I've got to do my half hour break for the for the, um, for log the books yep. and, and everything like that. And uh, we're like, yeah, sweet, no worries. We'll pull up here at, um, ah, it's where the old uh, Mick Dundee pub is McKinley. That? McKinley, that's yep. it, yep. Um, so, yeah, we, we were not too far out of there, so we thought, oh, we'll pull up there. Um, we'll have a half hour break, have a bit of lunch. And um, have a look at the pub and um, have a bit of a laugh and joke around and, yeah, just capture more content. And, uh, yeah, the truck rolled in, went down through all the gears, perfectly fine, no problem, went to neutral. Um, and then basically, uh, 
yeah, we, we sat there, we let it cool down for a bit, turned the truck off, had lunch, um, the pub was shut, so we're like, oh, well, we've missed that, it's all good, we'll just keep moving along and went to climb back in and there the old uh, the transmission wouldn't go into gear and wouldn't move and we tried to tow it a little bit and trying to, yeah. like, just thought it might have been in a lost little area and nothing was going on, so we're like, ah, oh, damn, what's, what's happening here right now? And it was throwing up an electrical fault and... Um, yeah, we were just like, oh, well, we'll just start looking at all the wiring. Maybe the cab's like crinked a wire somewhere and we spent like an hour and a half looking at all the wiring and nothing was going on. And then, um, yeah, we climbed underneath and there's like a little inspection plate underneath the, the gearbox there. And, uh, yeah, we undone the inspection plate and next thing all these ball bearings just fall out on the ground. And um, we're like, well, that's a pretty weird electrical fault. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm glad we spent an hour and a half trying to just checking our wiring and everything is all good. And, um, yeah, it actually threw out uh, the throw-out bearing on the gearbox, um, basically exploded, let go. And, um, yeah, then it just basically wouldn't let the, the actuator arm uh, engage and yep. go into gear. So, uh, yeah, we uh, basically just had a, a mission. on. Like, we're in the middle of nowhere. Um, we're about, oh, I think it was two, two and a half hours from like Mount Isa. Yep. And um, yeah, basically trip had only just started really. So I'm like, God, this is going to now eat into my time of testing the new truck. And because at this point I hadn't even had the new truck um, in the dirt. We'd only basically got it in our hands a week before we were going to leave. And yeah. we were just trying to release everything and um, get content out for the sponsors and get everyone excited for the new truck being here, being at some Mitsubishi. And um, yeah, it was just a... Uh, yeah, a bit of a chaotic time. So um, I luckily had some good friends, um, Colin Ross, who actually knew some companies out there and they got some tow rigs in and um, loaded the truck up on the back of a flatbed and then uh, brought another truck to tow my trailer down through to, um, um, yeah, another... Was it Cloncurry? Cloncurry, yeah. That's where it yep. yep. So we, we pulled up there, Fabro's Diesel Services, um, threw their hand up and said that they're, they'll be happy to help try and um, fix the, the issue and the problem. And, um, yeah, without those boys, they, they worked a few days, uh, two, three days on it and, wow. um, yeah, got it all kind of sorted and, and organised. And, uh, yeah, uh, from there, once we got the Cloncurry, uh, we dropped that off and, yeah, worst feeling is it's like, well, sorry, Dad, I've got a job to do. I've got to go and start pre-running and getting organised for the race. Yeah. So, uh, sorry, but I'm going to let you leave you here with it and to deal with it and, Whatever needs to be done, just do it and make sure it's ready to go for you to to get driving and um, make it there safely. So we kept on the road and um, yeah, got into into Alice and uh, yeah, we were there probably Thursday. So we did Friday, Saturday, Sunday pre-running and then Dad got in with the truck late Sunday afternoon and um, so yeah, they spent like a few days getting it all prepped and organised and. But yeah, the boys there at Fabro Diesel Services, bloody, yeah, killed it, did a good job. And um, yeah, we made it back home safely. So the thing's, the thing's bulletproof and <laughs> solid now. So hopefully it's good for another million Ks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. So did you get a chance before Prologue to um, really do any pre-running in the in the trophy truck? Um, honestly, uh, yeah, before the, pre the, the Prologue, um, so we went out and tested on the Monday Um yeah, everything went extremely well in test. I was super happy with the truck. We, uh, yeah, there's so many sensors on this new truck that we just we're monitoring power steering temps, yeah, gearbox temps, engine water, 
uh, shock temperatures. Like ah. this thing has got sensors all over it everywhere and if something starts getting too hot to where we set it on the Motec system, um, it'll give us our warning and say, hey, if yeah, the shocks are getting too hot, like you might have to just back it down a little bit and look after the thing and just let the shocks like, recover and come back. And um, yeah, so it's, it, it's basically an off-road vehicle that's not far off a Formula One car. And um, so the Monday's test went really well. Um, we just found we had a sensor that no one else has really put in these cars in the States and so no one really had data or mm-hmm. um, uh, any information on to where the power steering temperatures run. And um, power steering temp was a little bit high and um, just it should have worked. Uh, Tisco's built, uh, I think they're up to around... 20, 25-odd chassis um, wow. with this same system and they've never monitored it before. They've never put, like, coolers and stuff on them um, and they've never really had power steering failures or issues. But um, having, like, Dutto and Nick from Triple Eight uh, there with us this year and then also on top of that with Joe, all three of them kind of got together and was like, ah, oh, we just don't feel quite comfortable with how high the temperature is kind of going and especially it was only a... A small little loop. It, the temperatures shouldn't have been climbing that high no. quite quickly. So um, yeah, we went into Alice Hostech um, solution, Solutions in uh, in Alice Springs, and um, they actually had like a little like a little cooler. And um, well, actually, uh, they they stole it off the the daughter's race car. Oh, and um, <laughs> yeah, they said that she wasn't racing the car. And yeah, you could like take the cooler and um, put it on the onto the car. So. We didn't know if it was going to do anything or we were going to work, um, but nine times out of ten, once you throw a little cooler to it, um, it, it should drop the temperatures and bring them back down. And so our plan was to only drive it on the Monday, and then yep. um, yeah, we put this little cooler on, um, stayed in Alice's for the night, went back out Tuesday morning with it, and um, yeah, then was 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 sweet and perfect. Like I'm sure it wouldn't have failed to start with, but it was just. There were so many things on the line this year that we just yeah. we couldn't take the risk of going. It should work. It always works before, but let's just leave it as it is, and we'll go and run it. And then it fails on us, yeah. and we would have kicked ourselves for for not doing something about it. So, yeah, wow. it was. Um, yeah, it was a. Well, it wasn't stressful, but it was just like, God, I just want to want to come into the event trouble free. But I've already broke a gearbox. I've already broke chipped my windscreen and my Triton. Um, yeah, already sliced one tire, so I'm like, the trip going there is going great already. Yeah. <laughs> so I just wanted to have a bit of a trouble-free run, but it just yeah. didn't quite plan out like that. But we we got it all fixed and all sorted, and yeah, so I only got about sixty kilometers. Um, That's it. Yeah, total like in testing, first drive, first time being in the um, the new Tisco Mitsubishi Trophy truck, and uh, yeah, we were like. I was confident. I I knew the car. It felt good around the little test track we were on, but yep. it was nothing like the actual prologue track. So we we had some bumps there, but we just didn't know. Once you start adding another eighty to hundred kilometers an hour, mm. um, how the actual truck would handle and and sort itself out. So yeah, we were just uh, we we're kind of yeah like a little bit in no man's land um, because we were just it was a brand new whole brand new setup and. Just trying to work out what um, what's going to go down from there, and we just had to get ready for prologue day and give her a full send and yeah. see where it put us. And um, yeah, so we we still had a lot of work to do during the week. Um, we're still out pre-running and um, everything in the Can Am, and 
then by then the media and um, my own like media crew with Red Bull and everything yep. like that, they started showing up. So it does, like I say, it's um, everyone thinks it's yeah smooth sailing, but uh, as media, hundred percent is like the most important part of like your whole team and whole crew. Mm. But it does just eat into your time of like concentrating on the job that you've got to do ahead of you. But if you don't have media to share and get out to the public and um, show the sponsors and everything like that, it it yeah, it's a uh, like half of the well not half but but yeah a fair bit of the investment that comes to us to go and do this race um i i chip like nearly a quarter a bit over a quarter of it into 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 media so it's like being bringing film crews hiring helicopters and stuff like that just to get all these nice cool shots and yeah. everyone just looks at it and goes ah oh, it must be nice to have all this stuff but it doesn't come for free it's uh it's all paid for and um uh and and this is the things that i need to do to try and um keep our sponsors on on side and 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 show the appreciation for the work that they're putting in to make mm. my dreams come true so it's um yeah it's not not a not an easy road that's for sure but we uh we got all our filming content done that week and um was all all sweet and ready for the race day then it's a double-edged sword isn't it like yeah the balance of time and the balance of what you can put out i guess say hey, it's a hard thing yeah 100 percent. that's it it's Time management. Um, sometimes yeah, I'm very, very time poor, and uh, yeah, once once the think week starts kind of rolling in, it's like it's so good to see all the people and the atmosphere of the event and the race. But um, yeah, like I, I'm always stoked to see fans and that, and come up and say good day and get pictures. And but it's just yeah, even things like that just eats into a bit of your time of trying to prepare and get yourself sorted and organised for for the race week. Because yeah, that's uh, like. I'm not expected to win, but um, yeah, I, I always come into the event and everyone's yeah. like knows I should be at the front. Like, and if I'm not at the front, then people are not going to be happy. So it's not like not happy, but they're just it's expectation. Yeah, expectations yeah. of me being I have to be at the front. So it's like yeah, it, it's a it's a very very fine balance point that you really need to to take. But you've got to show so much time for for the people like people travel two and a half three days just to come out and meet you for 30 seconds um mm. it's um yeah that blows me away people are like oh yeah i've come from the top of queensland and oh, i've just always wanted to meet you and stuff like that and i'm like damn like two and a half three days driving i knew I, I, probably a lot of other things i'd prefer to be doing sitting in the car <laughs> for three days just to come meet me but um no it, it's cool and that's what i i appreciate that a lot from people and um yeah so you've you've got to got to give the time back and um have fun with people like i say be serious but clown around with some kids and um give them high fives and stuff like that and um yeah like it's this this job and this uh work for me has given me a great lifestyle and yeah you want to give hope to the young kids coming through that Mm. yeah it's it's possible to do but it's gonna it's gonna take a lot of hard work is it surreal like you know you've come from humble beginnings racing bikes around and everything but now people are coming out to watch you everywhere everywhere around the world is it a bit surreal yeah for sure look i i, I pinch myself every time i just go yeah. how how did it ever explode and get to where it is now and like it's yeah it, it blows me away like i just never i never thought like being a four-year-old kid like it was always like, oh, i want to be a world champion and that kind of didn't really start to like seven eight years old like i was doing well on riding a motorcycle but yeah how many 
how many seats are available around the world that you can <sighs> fill. Um, and I grew up in a country town. It was a, a thousand and fifty-two people population. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like back then, in that time, like my teacher was like, "Oh, it's cool that you love riding bikes, but just make sure you stick to school and do your schoolwork and get a good job, and that's what's going to get you through yeah. life and everything like that." Um, and which it does. Like you've got to concentrate on school. Like there's so many times now I go, "Geez, I wish I kind of listened a little bit more in math class because." Now racing Dakar, I'm dealing with so many numbers and figures and mm. trying to find follow cap headings and things like this and it's like <laughs> so much stuff's getting thrown into your head. You're like, mm, probably should have listened a little bit more but I passed all my classes but I didn't like, I didn't fail anything but it was just all I was kind of doing was taking in the information that I kind of wanted but yep. then I was looking out the window and going, oh, there, I'd love to build a track over there and <laughs> build a big tabletop there and a big jump and clown around and have a bit of fun out there on a the bike but... Yeah, no, it's uh, definitely surreal. Like I just didn't think it would get to this point where it's at now and no, it's um, a lot of work but like I say, it can be all taken away in the blink of an eyelid too. So it's just uh, you just got to try and stay there as long as you can and um, enjoy it it and have fun while doing it and then uh, when the time's right, yes, yeah, that's the time to to hang the helmet up. What's your relationship with Think? Mate, you must have – it's a weird thing, eh? It is 100% like it's the same. We drive three and a half, nearly four days to yeah. get out to that one event. Um, yeah, like my road trip coming home with uh, with my mate Reggie, um, Ben Richards like, was 33 hours driving straight solid. Like it was 36 hours total um, trip time. But making the wave like, great again. <laughs> yeah, making the wave great again, mate. So it's just that's what I mean. You get so bored on yep. that road trip going out there. You're just coming up with crazy stuff like make the wave great again and you've just got to try and make it fun and uh, enjoy it. And uh, But, yeah, I, I, I just, the atmosphere and the people that come out to the event and how excited they are being in the red centre and middle of nowhere really, it just um, – yeah, and I think then just the high speed just attracts yeah. me. Like I think my day one run was I think we averaged like 140 kilometres an hour and that's like on dirt on some of the roughest beat-up track you can think of. It was yeah. a fair bit smoother this year, so it was probably why the, the average speed climbed a little bit. But um, you get in some of them bumps and you're doing, still doing 140 kilometres an hour over them. Um, you just... Yeah, you appreciate these trucks so much more or, and the bikes, what we can do on the bikes out there. Yeah. Half the time I'm only about six, seven minutes slower on the bike to what I am on the trophy truck. So, yeah, when you look at it like that, it's 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 pretty amazing, like the technology and everything these days, how far it's come. Yeah, considering like your first event out there, even on the bikes sort of thing, the bikes are so much better over the last 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, yep. 10 years. So. Yep. No, it's, it's since 2010. Yep. Um, that was my first run out there was like at that point, like we could, we could only do like a day's riding and, um, basically have to rebuild an engine. Like it was, um, we just couldn't keep pistons up to doing like two runs. Like you do a run to Fink, run to back to Alice and you'd be spending like, yeah, the next five, six hours in the, in the workshop changing the top end and. Um, fix everything all up. Whereas, the time yeah all the time like from like in 2010 we were just we couldn't get things to really survive and and get down through through things so on actual race day we would do our hard run down on day one um and then that that night like the mechanics were 
up inside the truck and doing a top end rebuild and then bring the motor back down, put it back in the frame to do day two to go home. So we guaranteed we pretty much make it home. So um, to whereas now, like uh, everyone's starting to understand the race more and KDM's put a lot of effort and a lot of work into into that race. Um, damn, like the, the KDM 500, we, I think last time when I rode out there, I'd had about 49 hours on a bike that we hadn't touched, or basically just normal basic service, changing oil, changing filters and keeping all that stuff up but we just I, I couldn't kill the thing and it's like yeah it's like I say in that short span of basically seven eight years um, of me riding the bike there the technology just got so much better and um, yeah then to now be playing in this trophy truck it just it, it's another world that makes my mind even explode so it's it's pretty crazy. <laughs> Why four wheels? Like when, when did you have the realization that you want to do four wheels? Uh, I think it was that first year in 2010. Um, oh, really? At Fink. Yeah. Um, so before then, like, well, my, my dad used to race Class 5 in the Australian Off-Road Championship. Mm -hmm. uh, they had an old international international scout. Uh, I think it had an old Cleveland V8 engine in it that they kind of mid-mounted a little bit and done yeah. all the work on the farm. And factory. My, yeah, factory well, she scout. Was, she's a factory <laughs> scout, that one. So, and actually still to this day, that car is still racing and, and running. It? Yeah, yeah, it still goes to the racetrack and... Um, I can't think of the guy's name that's bought it, but yeah, he's uh, yeah re-engineered a few things in it. Yeah. But that actual original cab, like of that truck, is still yeah. out there racing and going now. So it's pretty cool to see. So yeah, my dad used to race off road, and that's like uh, with my uncle. My uncle used to uh, Jeff Barnes. He used to drive, and my dad used to navy. And then um, yeah, they won a class five Australian championship. I think it was like in oh like would have been 89 90 or something yep. like that and um and then yeah being on the farm i just started riding two wheels because i couldn't reach the pedals and couldn't steer and drive at two and a half three years of age <laughs> um so the next thing was like yeah put me on a bike and that all kind of took off and started going well and then it went at four i did my first race i won and then um went to my second race won there and then it just basically started to grow and take off so my dad and my uncle um, sold the race truck and then basically we as a family, all my cousins that we used to go to the events together. Yep. And um, yeah, so they kind of got rid of the race truck for us to go and race and have fun for like family weekends away. So it's always been there. Um, the four wheel stuff is, yeah. is always, I've, I've, dad's still got pictures of him and uh, my uncle racing and yeah, in the workshop and uh so I've always still I've always been looking at it, um, but just yeah, two wheels is where I went, and that's how it went for us. But yeah, 2010 when I went to Fink, um, I hadn't really been around like the car racing stuff uh, until then. Yeah, and uh, ran Fink the first time, and then got to see like the trophy trucks and the buggies, and just go, wow, what the hell is this? This is like. God, I wish my bike handled that good through the bumps. Like, <laughs> what can I do to get my bike to handle that good? And then um, I think it was like a year or two later, um, actually Billy Geddes kind right. of broke broke my, uh, uh, I don't know, broke my heart and put me into the trophy truck and um, sat in there. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'd had a, I think it was like the day before, I'd had a run with um, Bo Robertson and mm -hmm. then um, – Billy Geddes had a run with him and then he actually let me have a drive. And uh, I was like, Fwah, this is uh, this is a this is mind blowing. This is a different yeah. world and they've got seatbelts and 
oh, you feel so safe in the thing and um, you can still get hurt. But yeah, I was like, well, oh, this is something I really want to do. Like, and then I started to think, well, I think maybe I could do the truck in the morning and then fly back and then get on the bike and race the bike down. And everyone's like, no, nah, you don't have enough time. It's, there's no time to get back and sort things out and get yourself organized. And um, for me, yeah, if anyone tells me no, like it's nine times out of 10, I'm, I'm trying to work out yeah. how to do it and how to prove them wrong. So it's, um, yeah, that's then from there, it was like, I need to, need to try and see if I can do Fink and both. Like it'd just be something pretty mind blowing. It'd be a busy weekend, but I'm pretty sure I can do it and make it happen. So it's, uh, no, it's, it's, it's a cool sport. And that's like, um, I like now from like around about 2018, 19, um, we've been able to do pretty well steering at four wheels and, um, like at the end of the day, I just love racing. I just I yep. can't see myself getting away from a racetrack or hanging a helmet up and just like not completely walk away. I'm going to be involved in it for till the day that I pretty much take my last breath. But um, to just yeah hang the helmet up and not be in the mix of it somehow in some way, mm. then um, yeah, I, I like being in the I like being behind the handlebars or I like being at the driver's seat. And that's um, yeah, we just. Just it's, it's plans for the future, and hopefully, um, I can just get myself sorted to once, uh, yeah, all these new young guys come through and start telling me up and yeah. sorting me out and showing, uh, yeah, mate, you, you're the old dog, get out of the way, we're coming through, and uh, yeah, it's like I say, it's still a long way away. We've still got like probably five, eight years left up my sleeve for the bike, um, for the bikes, yep. and then, um, uh, yeah, then we'll just try and see if we can make that switch to four wheels which is why i'm doing the four wheels to kind of show potential that hey i can steer and whatever but i've still got a lot to learn but i'm willing to listen and take it all on board and see what we can do from there but it's uh yeah that should be should be all pretty good because with the with the off-road stuff for the bike like it seems sort of 30 to 40 is like uh you've, you've gained enough knowledge um you're strong strong and fit that sort of seems like motocross 30 would be a different story, you know. Yeah, yeah. But for off-road stuff, it sort of seems different, doesn't it? Like you've got the knowledge by that time, sort of like you come into your own peak at that age, doesn't it? Yeah, 100% off-road stuff kind of um, is, yeah, you've, you've got to be fit and strong and, and healthy to, to do well. But, um, yeah, there's just sometimes, yeah, they, they, I remember when I first went into enduro when I was 21, 22 and, I attacked it like a motocross race and ended up in the bush hitting stumps, hitting trees and just going, what the hell's going on here? This is not working. Like yep. I need to reassess how to get myself around the track in one piece first and then and then slowly start trying to add some speed to it. And, um, yeah, I was able to, to get it to work pretty pretty quickly. And um, But, yeah, it, it is like it's there's times where you got to know you can push and there's other times you know you got to probably hang it out a little bit and then, then there's other times you know you got to just bring it down a couple of notches and just get through that section and and then nail it on and not make any mistakes. So it's yeah, it's always there's a fine line to it. And whereas like motocross racing, it's like as soon as that gate hits the dirt, yeah. um, it's pinned nonstop the whole time, hanging out the whole way, and hope that it kind of works and you don't miscalculate a corner or a uh, jump or something like that. And um, yeah, so like Dakar and everything, it's more of just being consistent and being there every day and yeah. um, being smooth. And but yeah, we ride anywhere from like eight to twelve hours a day in in Dakar. So it's 
yeah, you, you try and say that to a motocross guy and they're like, four, 35 minute moto seems like forever for us. And it's like, well, try riding 12 hours. So it's, yeah, it's just two different mindsets, but it's, um, it all kind of works and goes along from there. But it's, uh, yeah, the, the Fink trip for us this year all went to plan and um, that's, yeah, the four wheel stuff. I'm just hoping that it will eventually open a door yep. to um, go and race some four wheel stuff and hopefully until I'm like Carlos signs or Stefan Peter Hansel, I'll probably never have the records that they've got. Right. But um, those guys are probably, I think they're like late 50s. Um, if I can still be racing by then and in a car, I'll, I'll be pretty damn pumped. Tell me the Carlos thing. You went and drove rally cars with him, didn't you? Uh, no, it wasn't Carlos. Who it was, was um, Sebastian Loeb. That's who it was. Yeah, yeah. Sebastian Loeb. Mate, hey. what was that like? Different, different world. Like how to? We went there. Uh, PH Sport guys, um, yeah, invited uh, invited me over to just to to come do a test day. And actually, in the Peugeot, um, they'd actually bought one of the X Factory Peugeot cars. So full there spec car. Full spec car. What they race at Dakar. Yeah. Um, they knew I'd been driving some four wheel stuff and having some fun. They're like, oh, we've got the cars basically due for its full service and stripped down and yeah. um, we're going to do one more test session. So come over and we'll give you a few laps and just see what you think and um, give us a bit of feedback of what, what you're up to. And, um, yeah, so they had a um, – it's like WRC, like rally spec cars and then the next division under it, I can't quite remember what, what, what it was. But the thing it was like when I showed up there, I saw it, it was just like a tin can and just, yeah, this – awesome little compact billet motor thing and i'm like yeah this would be pretty cool like it's not a full rally spec like wrc car yeah. but yeah I'll, I'll get to have a drive and be cool and see how right. i go went out and i'm like blew me away just how quick this thing was like how responsive just i was like all right this is this is another world and did some laps and down through the track in this little test area that they'd booked out and um i thought yeah you know what maybe i wouldn't mind trying to sign up and do a WRC race one day, like I think I'm doing all right and doing pretty good. Yep. And yeah, this is, um, seems like a, a fun, fun sport to be involved with. And, um, yeah, they think Sebastian Loeb helicopters himself in, he pilot, he flies and wow. takes himself everywhere. Um, comes in, lands basically right next to the truck, walks inside the truck, gets dressed and then comes out and does a little warm up lap in the car and comes back. And then the team will go, Oh, jump in with him, go for a lap. I'm like, oh, yeah, sweet. No worries. I'll see how like how far I am off the pace. And like pace, I didn't even have anything. Like it was Seriously. just two different worlds, like massively different. And, um, yeah, I was in there just going, nah, this is not a sport for me. This is one I will never pick up and never succeed or do well at. And uh, if I'm going to, I need to start now. And I'll probably see you at the start line in about 20 years' time to at least have like Damn. a quarter of the knowledge of what he that was doing. Experience. Yeah, and that experience. So just what that guy could do with the car, um, wherever he wanted the car, it was there. Um, and like after he'd be like, I'd went out and done the first bit of driving and then come in and like you just, you can look at the track and there was just like stones and bits and pieces everywhere. And he'd yeah. done a few laps through the track and like literally two wheel marks had just basically cleaned themselves, hard packed section, the whole way through the track like so he was just pinpoint accurate the yeah. whole every single lap he did he was on the exact same line no problems no issues and then i was like all right sweet i'm gonna have another go they let me jump in again and i was like all right i need to now know the lines where he's going and everything i'll try yeah. and nail it went through the first lap I'm like yeah sweet that felt a little bit quicker and stuff then i come back and i could just see 
stones just like all over the track everywhere. Like I just brushed the thing and made it slippery <laughs> as hell again. And I'm just like, okay, maybe yeah, I've got a fair bit to learn. I need to spend a lot more time in a car with him if I could ever get the chance. But yeah, not many people get the chance to no. to jump in a car with him and um, get that experience. And like I say, this was like, that guy's just like God in, in anything. And this was like a secret test session. Like, and nobody knew any location. Nobody knew nothing and that. And we're out in the middle of nowhere um, trying to get a test in. And then next thing, like, somehow the whole country found out where he was testing and people were rocking up everywhere just, like, to take photos and watch him drive the car and stuff like that. And it's like no one's like – everyone was like, oh, we didn't tell anybody where we were at. We didn't know – like, yeah. didn't give any information out. But people still just find the guy. And then it's – um yeah, so that's that was pretty cool experience to see. And – yeah, he climbs out and got a couple of pictures with him, and uh, me and Mio were playing around in a couple other um, cars, and, and then playing in the in the Peugeot car, and and then um, yeah, he goes in the truck, gets undressed, climbs out, and goes jump in the helicopter and flies home. So it's just like, fuck, that's that's, wow. that's that's killing it life right there. So it's uh, it's cool, but it's um, yeah, I'm sure same thing. He's worked extremely hard for it too, and it's like yep. it hasn't all been handed to him, and um, yeah, it's it's cool to see how guys like that operate and that's yeah half the time it's for me the experience is cool but i'm also sitting there trying to watch and learn how he conducts his day and mm. how he applies himself to things and try and listen into what he's talking about with a car and um so it's like yeah people people half the time they just come in and just want to be around the person they don't really take anything in but i'm trying to diagnose everything what he's up to and how and that's like how it operates when with everyone so it's just trying to better yourself and trying to make yourself uh, stronger in every area. It's an apprenticeship, isn't it? Yeah, it's it. 100%. Life's an apprenticeship, really. Yep, you know? 100%. And that's like, I, um, well, I feel like I've pretty much got through my apprenticeship on two wheels um, yeah. and succeeded and done well. And uh, still, yeah, we've still got a few blank pages that I want to fill uh, on two wheels. But um, it's kind of good now. It feels like I'm back in that apprenticeship role and, slowly trying to work out how four wheels operates and what we can do better and understanding of the car and how it pushes and oversteers and yep. this and the understeer and before four or five years ago i wouldn't have even understood any of that like it just it all just went straight over the top of my head and then um haven't like uh all the motec system and that like i can barely turn a laptop and a computer on but it's yeah, you plug I've seen in, that. You, you, you've seen that for fans. So, but yeah, now I'm like plugging into my truck and yep. and letting guys and working out, letting guys in the states like control my computer and like talking to the truck and um, downloading all the data from it and working out where everything's running at. And then that's I'm trying to work out the watching all the graphs and stuff like that. Like I'm not a computer wizard at all, but it's like. Um, if you want to succeed in things, you've got to yeah. you've got to have a general idea and understanding of how everything operates. Um, and that's yeah, I, I don't just sit back and let other people do all my stuff for me. I like to be involved and I like to try and better myself. So I apply myself to try and learn all these things. And um, that's yeah, like. But at the end of the day, you if you found a book in here and it was about some crazy country lifestyle story and someone like their their life story and i'd just i'd probably read the first two pages and just zone out and yeah and my attention span just goes straight out the window so it's yeah anything in motorsport my attention spans 100 percent, and i'm like watching and trying to learn and 
trying to figure out. Got to pick the right subject. Yeah, it's you know, that's all it is, eh? For, yeah, every, for all of us, I think. Yep, hundred percent. Explain your run out to out to Fink on the race day. Uh so yeah, the run out. Well, so actually, you had Dado in the car. So we had Dado in the car uh, for day one. Yep. But um, the Saturday we had the prologue. Um, so we we'll, we'll start there and then for sure. go into yep. into day one. But yeah, prologue. Like I say, we um, because I hadn't had much time in the car and, and driving and. Um, understanding of it like Dado was going to run with me in the in the prologue um but i was like oh, joe joe's been in in the sport for 15 20 odd years so yeah. i'll throw him in the car with me for prologue because then if we do feel like we hit some warps or something and the car's not quite settled or um planted properly um joe will know the exact area to go to and what tube to play with on the rear end or the front and stiffer or um, um, slow the rebound down or anything like that. So, yeah, we uh, made that bit of a last call um, uh, the night before. We throw Joe in and um, our signing lap, like I say, you can't really do much. It's 150-odd cars on the track all at the same time, so it's just a major big dust bowl of nothing. And, um, yeah, so just, just trying to get a bit of a gap so that I could actually get up on top of some whoops and feel how the car would handle and roll and uh, get across things and... We actually felt like the car was pretty pretty decent and like we, we had a confidence in the setup we had. Yep. So um yeah, then uh the prologue then kicked off um at ten forty five uh Saturday morning for us and yeah, we were the first of the class fours to take off and um yeah, it's definitely it was nerve wracking because I'm like, this is where you ha- basically have to give a hundred percent. Like yep. if you give it hundred and one um and you creep over that line it, it can bite you and um, yeah, and, and bring you unstuck. So, but you have to leave it all on track because at that race, it's so important to be at least in that top two, top three. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, I've only got like 60 k's under my belt in this truck. I'm pretty certain I know how it's going to react and control itself. But really, I'm kind of flying a little blind. Um, but we just need to give it give it hell and see where it puts us. And uh, yeah, we got going around the track and. Um, yeah, straight away I just could feel the truck would steer and um, anywhere where I wanted to put the truck, it was like it felt nearly like that WRC car. And wow. I was like, Fuck, this is, I think we should be all pretty good. And um, uh, we had 37-inch tyres on it, so to try and stop some roll and just uh, make it a bit more planted and like a, like a go-kart. And um, coming in, down into the last straight, there was like this basically a big line of set of whoops. And that was about the only place I was like, I don't know how the truck's going to sit at yep. full speed um but yeah once we got on on top of the whoops and the thing just was planted and sent so i was like yeah i thought we were we we're on for a pretty good run um but like in in the cab we just still don't quite know we can't talk to anybody and um we got back to pit and yeah got out and uh yeah we were able to get the fastest qualifying time and give us pole position and um that's two years in a row we've been able to get a trophy truck to get on the top spot and it's it's more of a designed track for like buggies. Um, so to, yeah, to edge out the buggy guys and, and, and the rest of the field, like there's so many good drivers in there. Uh, we were we were really stoked. So the, the truck was was on fire already. And um, yeah, then we were like, nah, just leave the truck as it is. Like it's it's handling so good. It's going across bumps. Um, yep. We just got to have a good clean run and throw Dutto in the seat and get ready to head down there. So yeah, the day one, 
event went for really well for us as well. Um, we, uh, we took off, I think it was about 7.35. It was meant to be 7.30, but the, they had some issues with the timing lights, so that's why there was a bit of a delay there. Ah. And, um, yeah, basically uh, that first couple of kilometres in that little tight uh, motocrossy section there, I just took my time in there. I'm like, oh, I don't want to put it on its roof right in front of everyone. And oh, um, just, yeah, it's <laughs> a little bit of nerve. And then, um, yeah, once we could get on the track and get moving, then, yeah, I knew we were, we were all pretty good. So, because they, they water all that first part pretty decent. It's like slick. It's, it's nearly like driving on ice half the time with them trucks. So, they uh, have a lot of weight to them and they just want to push and go off. It's really like understeer. They'll just keep pushing across. Yeah, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, right. just keep pushing and just don't, won't find any grip. And, um, doesn't matter really what car you, whether it's a buggy or a truck, they, they in the wet, they're, they're a handful. So you said something before, sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. 37s you're running, what do they traditionally run like a 40 or something? Yeah. So traditionally we're for the race day, we were running a 40 inch tire. Okay. So, yep. um, quite a big, big old tire. It's, yeah. uh, very, yeah, as I would stand, it's probably about, about up to my waist, a bit over my waist. So it, um, just a 37 um, just helps just to liven the engine up a little bit. Yep. It probably drops about six, seven kilos roughly per corner. Wow. Um, in weight from the tyre size and, and everything. So uh, it just, yeah, just livens the truck up a bit more and makes it more of a, yeah, uh, not as much sidewall so it doesn't like bite and grab and like trying to want to try and hike the truck and, and everything. It. So yep. keep kicking it up and hiking it onto two wheels and bicycling. So... Yeah, it's just little bits and pieces. Like with Joe, he, his experience he brings to yep. to the table, and now now that I've learnt that from him, then it's it's there in the back of my mind. I already know that's what we've got to do for yep. for things. But before when I started it, I wouldn't have had an, any idea at all. So it's um just chucking fresh tires and let's do this. Yeah, just put fresh tires on. What's happening? Then <laughs> tire pressures? I don't know. Just throw anything in it. Like yep. it's yeah, as long as they match, it's all good. I don't care. So <laughs> thirty two all around. Yeah, thirty two all around. That'll do. So, but yeah, he's his experience that yeah gets it all kind of sorted for us. So um, yeah, the honestly yeah the run down, and I wouldn't say it was boring, but it was just like the first seventy k's was quite smooth. Um, and just yeah, wide open, full gas, and um, yeah, it was unreal to be wide open my new truck and just actually put it under its paces yep. and what it can do. And then um, yeah, we got about uh, ninety uh, k's in. It was all still going really nice, smooth, easy. And then from about 120, uh, 110, 120 mark onwards, it starts to get pretty rough and pretty beat up. So um, yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, just it's another world. Like it's just crazy, mind blowing at how big these holes are, and you just look at them going, "I can't do it, I can't do it," and you're like, "You can't back off." Then you just keep your foot into it, and you don't even feel it. You're just like, "What was I so worried about?" Like just wow. okay, cool, let's just keep going. And um, yeah, no, I think Dado, mate, Dado did an amazing job. Like he, he, he's an engineer for Triple Eight, and um, um, pretty pretty stoked that old. Uh, uh, Roland Dane um, let him leave the the shop there for a few days yeah. and uh, trusted uh, yeah me with uh, his life in my hands. So um, yeah, it wouldn't have been a great phone call to ring up and say, oh hey, I'm kind of scared old Dutto and he doesn't want to come back and do anything anymore and cancel Darwin. Yeah, cancel Darwin. <laughs> like you can't go to Darwin now. Yep. So um, yeah, but uh, no, he did a good job. I think he yeah he enjoyed the experience to it and um, yeah, like uh, he he's around motorsport, so it didn't 
like lose his mind and blow him away and yep. get out looking like a ghost. But um, he was he was pretty shocked at yeah what they the abuse that they go through and um, how much torture they put up with and uh, yeah he was but uh, yeah big things of the program he was down the other end um, on the Motec system and just checking everything and making sure it was running mm. fine the whole way through the race and um, and yeah it was it was 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 a good smooth good clean run so I think we did uh what was it now. Hour and 39 39? minutes and 14 or 15 seconds or something. Um, So that was for 230 kilometres. Jeez, that's fast. It's fast. That's like, yeah, it's it's pretty damn crazy how fast that is over a rough, beat-up, sandy track. Um, So, yeah, that was a a new record set to to go down um, for Fink. And, um, yeah, I set the record two years ago at an hour and 44 minutes. So... Yeah, the, the, it was just a good, smooth, clean run. No offs anywhere, tyres and everything held up. And like I say, when you can keep it on the track and not go bush and through sticks and that, like the BF tyres are an amazing tyre and they held up to the job and um, and then as did everything else in the truck. And we then, um, yeah, basically, so we left at like 7.35 in the morning and now it was like by not a bit after 9 o'clock, we were down the other end. So race is like, done. Race is done. So I was like, right now it's just prepping and getting organized for the return trip on on day two and um yeah so it's it's a it's a busy time like once you get down the other end it's not just sit around and relax and drink some waters and hang out and drink some red bulls and everything it's yeah it's there's work to be done and um yeah dad had driven the truck down the night before and gone around the long way to have all the camp kind of set up so once we did arrive we just drove the truck straight in parked it and start working so on that's that's four hours or something or, um, i think it's about like five and a half, five hours, and a half hours um to go around the outside the long way, yep. The long way yep so yeah uh, yeah that's what i say dad's like a big part of well, the program inside the shop then he's my main man to, to drive all the the things around and um yep. yeah uh orchestrate the the chaos and, <laughs> and the mess really mate yeah. it's huge and yeah. haven't you borrowed obviously nick and dado from triple eight yep they must have brought a different experience to the team too. You know? Yeah, 100%. Like it's, um, it was good to have them a part of the team and um, throw Dado in, in the mix and put him in the seat, but yep. also having Nick there as well just brought a whole new element to the team. It was like to have um, Dado being the engineer and then Nick being a really solid mechanic. He's worked with Formula One and everything in the past and then to have Joe yeah. Um, that's yeah, 20, 20 odd years experience full time in off road racing. Those three guys combined basically just made one solid package of whatever needed to be done. Yeah. Um, if there was any issues, there was Dado to to come up with a solution, and Nick and Joe to fix it. And then Dado was in there getting his hands dirty as well to try and fix issues. But like I say, we didn't have any issues going down, so it was like. Um, Dado was on the computer checking all the data from, yep. from the MoTeC. Everything looked perfectly fine and sweet. And then Nick and Joe were outside um, basically just, yeah, doing like all the routine checks. And um, so two years ago when it all failed and let go on us, it was a, a ring and pinion, basically a whole um, rear end center that yep. let go on me like the year before. This truck was brand new, so I didn't need to replace it, but I had a spare one in the truck. Um, so I just didn't want that nightmare of, that creeping no. up on me again so 
we put that in um, overnight, put a new tail shaft in, put a new power steering pump. Um, uh, what else do we do? Just, yeah, some new tyres. Like I said, the tyres look brand new, like they hadn't even really been on the dirt. And But we just we had those parts there, so let's put them yep. on the truck and make it work. And But in saying that too, like it's just because it's a brand new part doesn't mean there's not going to be no failures. Like it's um, mm. there's that little fine line. When you're down there, you're like, the truck around here is sweet. Everything is what's on the truck now we know is working. So we have all these brand new spare parts in the truck. If we do switch and put that in, like maybe like something that it just could have been a dodgy a dodgy seal or um, just didn't quite match or something didn't quite line up properly or yeah. just something. Um, and then you're like, ah, should I really run the risk of changing something we know that's working? But then we've got the spare parts there. Let's put them in and make it work. But then that could also fail too. So it's like, oh, what, what do you do? Like it's just sometimes it's so, yeah. yeah, tiring on your mind just to try and figure out the right scenario and then and and the right package. But um, yeah, we made that call. We just thought, bugger it, let's let's just do it. And if it works, it works. Um, we really need it to work. But yeah. if it doesn't, obviously we just haven't had our stars aligned just yet and uh, having some issues and some dramas to, to make it work. Mate, one thing I really appreciate was um, load up the days before load up day. Uh, you had Nick in the workshop with Joe. Yep. And it was like two robots sort of talking to each other. It was really cool. Like I've got a mechanical brain and just seeing the knowledge between the two of them, that, ah. was, un that was unique. You know, yeah. that was really cool to sort of sit back and listen to like Joe is, wow. Yeah. It's cool. That's what I mean. That's why... I'm, I'm super keen to try and get Joe over here full yep. time, um, kind of put him under like Toby Price Motorsport banner a little bit um, and offer to the people here in Australia and off-road racing to, yeah, you can drop your car here and we can service it and prep it and mm. do race preps for you. And um, that's like the goal in the future. I, I want to really stay a part of the sport and um, I want to see the sport in two wheels and four wheels grow here in Australia because... At the moment, we're producing some of the best races around the world. Um, so it's like, see the Lawrence brothers and stuff like that are doing extremely well in the States. Yeah. And then you've got Jack Miller that's killing it in MotoGP, uh, Ricardo, Formula One. Um, yeah, it's like we, we have talent here that people can drive and ride yeah. and do everything. <coughs> and it's like if I'm able to bring someone that's got the knowledge to get somebody the ex like to the finish line like yep. I'm, I'm all for it i want to see it grow and i want to see people with sponsors up the side of their car to help them go racing and enjoy racing more and um yeah it's just uh yeah for me it's i just want to see everyone at the race having a good time so it's definitely a a, a, a plan it's in kind of process at the moment so yep. um hopefully we can start to try and find him some work and some jobs that would um, get him feasible enough to come over here and start making it work for him and um, have their, their family here and get going. But, yeah, to see Nick and Joe together, it was, yeah, I was trying to listen in on it, but it was just like another language. And I was just like... Oh, yeah, that's a good way to it, say it. it. Yeah. It, it was. It was just, yeah, two robots just talking a different language to each yeah. other and... Then the next thing they just kind of go around and then bam, underneath and start doing stuff under the truck and trying to work, oh, we could run this here, here a bit better and or this here line looks like it could run up here or maybe just make this and do this and it's just like, oh, 
come on, guys, the truck's brand new. I don't need to do anything to it. But yeah. they just, they those two boys, they just, they never stop trying to do better, like in mechanical work. Like it's, and then I'm not trying to, st- I'm just always trying to better myself in racing. So it's mm. just, yeah, just two different areas. They love working on things and diagnosing problems and just trying to exceed and ex- yeah, exceed and um, succeed in racing by being a mechanical like mastermind. It's a proper so team, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's it. It's a proper team, and um, and that's yeah. That's the thing. You've got to got to represent like yourself well at races and bring like great equipment and um, and show people that yeah, you're putting the work and the effort into to make these things come to life. Like, I think costs me an absolute fortune to go and do that race, but. Um, if I was in it for the money, then like, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's not even not even feasible. It's a bad investment, it's a, eh? A very, very, very <laughs> bad investment. Like it's it, it's burning holes in my pocket. My accountant, uh, yeah, he definitely looks at me each year when Fink comes around and shakes his head. But um, yeah, we, we, it's, but that's just how I am. I just like to go fast, like have fun, and um, yeah, like I say, I'll, I'll live in a tent if I have to to go racing. So it's. Uh, I'm I'm not too stressed on it. You've got it. You've got such a cool attitude with that. And I know we'd uh, we've been away for a friend's thirtieth a few months ago. They said, "Don't you don't drink much?" And you obviously don't. And you're like, "I'd rather spend sixty dollars on putting fuel in a car and go racing somewhere." Yeah. All I want to do is go racing. Yeah, hundred like, percent. That's you know, it. you're an athlete obviously for one side of it, but then the other side is like, I'd much rather put that sixty dollars towards going to a race meeting. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. That's like. Um, yeah, all my mates go and party and do all these yeah. things and I, there's nothing wrong, nothing against it. I don't frown upon it but, um, yeah, you go down to the local bottle shop. Yep. I, would, I'm, I wouldn't even know the last time I went through one of those places but, yep. yeah, a case of beer is like $60-odd or something last time I checked. And yep. then, um, yeah, for me that's basically a bit under half a tank of fuel for the car and a 20-litre jerry can full of fuel for the bike and I'd rather – yeah, use that 60 bucks to go out and adventure and yeah. go flat out and have a good time. But, like, yeah, that's just other people's mindset. That's their good time. They, work, sure. they work all week to go and spend their 60, 100 bucks worth of yep. on case of beer and party all weekend and then go back to work Monday. And that's that's how they want to do it. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. But Yeah, there's no for, bad way, is there? There's no bad way, 100%. Yeah. But, yeah, just for me, I just, yeah... I just like burning fuel, so it's yeah. like, <laughs> that's it. I just go and go to the servo and burn some fuel. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. Sun uh, Monday coming home. Obviously, um, trucks prepped. You ready to go for to go back to Alice? Yep. How was that? Yeah. So um, Sunday uh, went really well. So yep. Monday for us, uh, we got everything all prepped from the Sunday's drive. Monday we basically then were yeah just we had to manage the drive home and yep. the last three four attempts with it it just day two has been uh treacherous to us and uh and painful and um so for the day two's drive home we had joe jump in the truck so just yeah sharing the seat a little bit because both the guys did extreme amounts of work and um it was cool to have joe in the seat and a part of it uh i normally have a guy from the states um jason duncan that runs with us but with all the uh, the world is the way it is at the moment, and then plus he was racing at the uh, the Baja 500. It was the same weekend, so it just wouldn't match. And he was racing with uh, Luke McMillan, um, 
yeah, we, we brought Joe home. But, yeah, look, honestly, just um, from the day days one run, um, we downloaded all that data and, like, we looked after the truck. Like, I only I think they said my average uh, throttle position for the whole um, – look at that. Shane Van Gisbergen drinking me. Mate, doing podcasts. Leave me alone. I'll talk to you later. Um, yeah, I um, – yeah, the run down, um, basically, yeah, I only ran at 68% throttle position the whole way down. Wow. So the truck still got so much more left in it. And we're like, sweet, I've babied the thing down, got a bit over a two-minute lead, let's just drive the thing home and we'll just keep running at about that pace. Everything feels really good. So we started off really well, just, yeah, cruising through. All the temps are running really fine. So Joe's like, yeah, if we're kind of smooth and flat, just – look after the truck and where it gets a bit beaten rough. Um, yeah, try and make sure you stay on top of things and yep. uh, keep keep an ear out for any noises and stuff. And, um, yeah, everything was going extremely well uh, until we got about the 105, 105, 108 kilometre mark um, driving along and then, then the, the Motec system in, in the in the truck basically just went bang, like hot water, like it, uh, water temperatures going through the roof. Which is straight away. Just instant, straight away. Went from basically running at 94, uh, 93, 94 degrees yeah. to then basically 130. And it was just like straight spike, straight climb. And I'm just like, what? What the hell? And I'm like, nah, must be just faulty sensor. Clear it, clear it. It's all good. And um, cleared it. And then about 30 seconds later, I was like, it didn't come on. I'm like, ah, oh, sweet, yeah, so it's all good. We're good. Bam, lights come back on. I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, what, what have I done at this place? Oh, no. like, I love coming to Fink, but what have I done here that's just, like, it just hates me at the moment for four wheels. So I'm like, man, this is this is not good. And then um, so we we backed it off, and, and when we backed off, it started to come back down and temp, and we're like, all right, sweet. And Joe's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, well, I don't know. I've got no idea. I'm like, I don't um, what, uh, how's everything else running? And he's like, yeah, everything else is fine. Like oil temp's good and everything else, like it's, it's running perfect. Like you said, it must be like a faulty sensor or something. I'm like, well, I'm thinking the same thing. So I'm like, oh, well, we'll just, we'll keep cruising along, keep playing along, we'll see what, what it does. And man, lights come on again. I'm like, oh, this is not good. Right. So clear it. And then um, Joe was then like going, well, like we probably should stop and like I'll check the radiator and I'll, I'll pour some water in it because we got got bottles of water and stuff in the truck yep. with us and everything. Um, and we had a little bottle in the back of the truck that we could put into the into the um, radiators. And um, yeah, I was like, ah, oh. said, look, honestly, we haven't even been pushing, like we haven't even been going hard the first half of the race. So I'm sure that two minute gap, we're probably down to a minute. I said a minute's not long enough to be trying to top up the radiator like on the yep. side of the track stopped I said and we can't give up the position like at the moment our, the dust is our friend mm. so I'm like we need to just kind of creep along a little bit and just keep ourselves going and um, yeah and then as we started getting closer to Fink I just seen the dirt colour just starting to change and I'm like what the hell like and then actually overnight it had rained in Alice Springs side ah. so I'm like god damn it this like why this is my only friend right now that i've got is this dirt dust. and dust <laughs> um why why is this just out to just kill me at the moment like what 
I'm like, and then I'm looking in the mirror, and it's like clear as a whistle. I'm just like, God, why? I said, dude, we're, we're in some trouble. He's like, yeah, well, we need to stop and put water in it. I'm like, well, I said, we don't have enough time. Like, and he's like, well, and meanwhile, he's clear, 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 clear. He's like clearing the center. it. Yeah. <laughs> the center. I'm like, dude, I'm like, this is, this is not, and I'm like, we're about, at that point, we're about probably 70 Ks out from the finish line. And I'm like, dude, I said, we're just, we've just got to try and keep cruising along. And I said, I know the guys behind us are going to be catching us, but let's just wait till I said, it's going to be an asshole and a um, shit move to pull, which is what we call jackrabbiting. Um, so it's like where someone like would come up on behind you and then they tap you and give you a, they nerf you and take it out of the way because you yep. go on a slower pace. And I said, well, I said, we've just got to baby the truck as much as we can just to like look after it and not flog the hell out of it and i said and then once we see them i said it's it's all it's got to be all back on and i said i'm i'm willing to cook a motor um to get to the finish line i, I do not care i said i cannot sit like on the sideline and just go yeah. i wonder what if um i'd rather be sitting on the sideline and knowing that i could i can't do any more yeah. so it's um like i say it's it's a big risk to to kind of take can, can you a, say what a motor's worth Oh, yeah, 100%. I can tell. Uh, it's about a $95,000 motor. Um, oh. So that's what like that's what I mean. Like my accountant, I hope he doesn't listen to this because if I say to him I don't care about cooking a $95,000 <laughs> motor, he's probably going to really, really hate me right now. But yeah. um, And that's what it was like it come to. I'm like, it's $95,000 sitting there right in front of me and I'm about to just fry the hell out of it. And But I want to win this race. I don't care what it takes. I want to get to that finish line, and and then um, yeah, look in the mirrors. Next thing, all of a sudden, two little lights start poking their way through, and I'm like, he's getting close. And then Joe's like, yep, he's getting close. I'm like, well, and at that point, I think we we're about 60, 60 kilometers out, and I'm like, man, if I'm, I was just hoping I could get to about the forty kilometer mark um, before he'd actually like catch onto the back of me. So. I'm like 60Ks, I'm asking a bit much of this thing. Like, I'm, this, is gonna, yeah. this is gonna fail. So I'm like, oh, well, I said, sweet joke. I said, hang on, mate, we're going for it now. Like I said, we can't we can't mess around. Can't. So what sort of speeds would you be doing to conserve? Like what would you be, you're still 100 and something, obviously. Yeah, we're about 130, 140, um, which wow. was like conserving. Yep. Um, but yeah, the top speed in that thing, I hit just shy of 200 kilometers an hour. Um, so yeah, like from, that point on, um, 60Ks mark on, um, I just gave her a full old send and hoping for the best. And it was super strange. Like when I stood back on the throttle and got going, I think for the last 60Ks, I only saw the light come on probably four times, which it's quite bright. Like I can see it no matter what. Yeah. But I'm sure it only came on like four times in that last 60 kilometers. So it was like super weird that when we first got the issue, it was like overheating when we were pushing it yep. and then we had to conserve it and look after it and then once we stood back on it, then it, the truck seemed to do better when we were standing back on it again um, to then if I came into a few turns where I had to kind of shut off and back off, the only time I, like, I lifted on the throttle, then the light would come on and then we'd clear it, foot back into it, ah, for another 5Ks, no light, no light, no light, lift, bam, lights on. Wow. I'm like, what the hell is this thing doing? Like I'm... I'm confused as anything to it right now. And um, 
yeah, then the biggest fear was it was basically the last lot of gates to come back into that prologue tra stadium track section. I'm just like, I am this close to the finish line. I can virtually nearly see it in the distance. I'm like, I've pushed this thing pretty damn hard now. And if it just stops and comes to a rolling stopping motion about 300 metres short of that finish line, I'm going to be so damn fuming. But, um, yeah, we came into that finish line. I just tried to carry enough, a little bit of momentum yep. and keep the thing going and get through. And, um, yeah, then to come onto that main last straight, we got it up to probably about 100 120K mark. And I'm like, if the engine throws something out the side now, um, I've got enough rolling pace to at least yep. roll across the line. I had enough distance over Josh Howes that was in second. And, yeah, so like I say, it was a, it was a bad move that I pulled because normally half the time in, in that racing, if somebody does catch, that's kind of a man, like a thing to kind of pull over and they're doing a faster pace than you. But I had a reasoning to why yeah. I was not going so fast. So um, I, I knew once I stood back on it, like I can pull the gap again and go. Um, so I was just trying to look after everything as much as I could and then, um, yeah, and throttle back into it when, when we had to. And, yeah, it, it it worked. So crazy, crazy at uh, how the whole experience, yeah, came together like that. And um, still day two has not been so kind to us, but we got what we went there yep. to do and, um, yeah, come out the other end all, all in one piece. So it was uh, all our crew had a good time. And, um, yeah, so now it's just uh, on to the diagnosing what's going on with the engine and um, go from there. Man, what a massive, that's huge, eh? Hey? Yeah, but look, at the end of it too, it's like it's, it's it's racing and it's how it rolls sometimes, but it's going to be kind of cool. Like that's been like the, I think the closest finish that they've had in Fink yeah. over the last few years at least. So um, I guess people on the side of the track would have been pumped and excited because it would be like, oh, Josh is catching Toby, blah, 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 and then it would have been like a full hype. Everyone's trying to check and see and yep. half the time you're down in, down in the track from about – 30 kilometer mark onwards there's really no service so anyone said like 60 kilometers they've seen me go through josh come through pretty close they're going yep. oh what what, is, what what has happened to the finish one was like they're trying to find things out so it would have created a good big bit of hype yep. um and and everyone not knowing what really what was going on so then plus the helicopter footage that um we had our own media group yep. they would have been filming it so I'm sure there would be a nice little wide pan of two cars quite close together and then next thing all of a sudden I'd off again go again. So it would have been, yeah, yeah it's it's definitely cool for, for what we've done, but it's uh, not cool for what I've done, but it's just, yeah, I had to had to baby the thing and yep. look after it and, and try and make it work because I just, this year was now and ever. Like it was, um, yeah, it, it's, it's hard every year. Um, we found it harder each year for the last three years, four years that we've failed and not crossed the finish line to go ring a sponsor and say, hey, mate, we're going back to Fink again. Like, it would be cool to have you on board. And, mm. like, if we rang them this year and said, hey, we're, yeah, 40K short of the finish line and truck broke again, I'm sure next year's phone call would have been like, hey, yeah, look, we're, we're keen to jump on board and the motivation is not quite there. So whereas now, like, we've been able to make it work. Like, yeah next year should be a little easier like the phone calls to the sponsors and that will be yep sweet let's go again like it was cool exciting it was great to be a part of and let's go again so it's yeah the results you're only as good as your last race and um 
my last three, four races out there have not been good. So it's haven't a, been kind, have they? Have not been kind. So we're lucky to be able to actually get one done and um, yeah, get our name on that trophy. Congrats, hey. Yeah, that's mate. huge. What it's, was it like yeah. crossing the line? You like you must have been just tired. Yeah, just from all that stuff. That's you know, it's that last tiring. hundred kilometers was just like the most tiring, draining yeah. part of my mind that yeah. you could have, and it was basically the same as like what I, the issue I had at Dakar mm. um, with my tire and putting zip ties around my tire. It's <laughs> it's just mentally draining. Like yep. you just you're constantly just you're trying to process what's in front of you, but then you're also thinking, trying to mechanical sympathy and trying to survive yep. and trying to get through and what can I do like to help the situation that you then just you've thrown another 25 scenarios like onto your brain to then still try and process things at 130 40 k's an hour so it's just yeah it was uh, once I crossed that finish line I think I almost yeah smashed the dash out of my truck like smacking the thing and so <laughs> excited and pumped and over the moon and um, yeah, it was just good to, to see all the crew and everyone back there and we finally were able to get it done. So, I'm, yeah, it's over the moon and pumped. How's it rate? Like, you've, you've done some pretty cool stuff. How does that rate as a win? Oh, it, it's one of the ones up there. Like, uh, it, it's... You can't judge it, things, but, you know... You can't judge. That's it. Like, each race has their special, like, place and, yep. and, and loved winning in those areas and Dakar being one of them, Fink being another, the Baja 1000, we've been able to finish second there in a trophy truck with NASA and Jesse Jones. So there's there's so many events and stuff that I've done it being pretty cool, but it was just, like I say, from 2010 when I first went to Fink on two wheels, I like I won there straight away. And then yeah. I was like, oh, well, sweet. No, this is like awesome event. Love being a part of it. And then that very first time I tried the trophy truck racing, I think it was 2016, um, I finished uh, second outright and first in class in trophy truck class four. And I was like, this stuff, this is easy. Like that was my first race ever. I only yeah, drove a truck like two days ago and finished second. So, wow, this would be, yep. be, be a walk in the park. And then to come back the following year and just day two, kick this in the backside. The following year, day two, kick this in the backside the following year day two kicks it was just like um i think that's been good for me because like not being smart or like um up myself about anything it was like my first win at fink was on the first go and straight away and it was just yeah. like then it was just like a natural thing it was just like it was never given to me but it was just it was instant and mm. i think as much as as much money as it's costing me to do the trophy truck thing um I think, yeah, if it would have been like the same thing, a win straight away, it would have been like, eh, like, it's, yeah, it's nothing. It's all good. Yep. It's done and done and dusted. But it, it's just uh, from the first year, I was like, oh, I think I can do this. Like, it's cool. Like, it gave me that little bit of hope. And then it was like next year, nah, bam. Like, yep. you're just going to cut you down, start at your ankles. And then second year, it's like, we're going to cut you off at the knees. <laughs> and then it was like, following year, we're cutting you at the waist. And it's just like, oh, this is chipping into me hard. But, Every year we went back, it was just like it's a vicious thing because you just you throw more at it. You're like, if I throw more at it, it'll work. And mm. it doesn't. Like that's it don't matter how much you throw at it. You could have multi millions of dollars worth of budget and it don't guarantee you success one little bit. Like it just it does not matter how much it's like having the right team and the crew and people around you to make it work is the biggest key to it all. Money definitely does help, but on top of that, you if you're getting money money from sponsors, they're 
they're expecting things as well and yep. they're expecting media and, and a good coverage for them and their logos and brands. So there's there's a lot involved with it and it's um yeah, it it, it it was trimming me down, mate. It was it was it was getting to my neck. It, was, it yeah. didn't work this year. It was cutting me off at the head. Yeah. And then if it was one more attempt. I think my head's in the garbage bin. And there's I'm no like, tree left to cut. There ain't no <laughs> left to cut down. So it's um, yeah. No, it was good to finally get it to work. And uh, like I say, it's just people that have been backing me in the four wheel, like progress. Yep. Um, it's just good to finally give back to them and say, hey, this is it is possible to do, but just Sorry, it took a little while, but yep. that's motorsport racing, and unfortunately, it does happen, and it can happen quite a lot. So, no, it's uh, it's good, good to be back home in Gold Coast though, and now just yeah, getting ready for um, yeah, getting back under two wheels and just sign my new two-year contract, yeah. um, two-year extension, and uh, with an option of third. So uh, yeah, it's um, that week leading up to Fink. It's a two-year extension. Um, got to ride my bike for the first time. Got to drive my trophy truck for the first time. Then one thing, it was that week. I probably won't forget for a little while that was been a good solid week. I, I said to you on Monday night, that first photo of you riding your bike, like it's just, it's just nuts. Like you haven't ridden for months. Your shoulder has, you've had a significant shoulder injury. Yeah, it's still kind of not amazing and great. Yeah. I don't know. I only know one speed. I only want to go flat out and fast. If the thing can't twist anymore, that's where I'm happy. Yeah. So it's like you need yeah. a bigger throttle tube. Yeah, you need a bigger <laughs> throttle. If there's anybody, if we can get a longer throttle cable and tube, and we'll be uh, we'll be pretty happy. But um, yeah, no, it was good. It was uh, everyone was like social media wise, they were stoked and pumped to see me yeah. back on two wheels. And um, and trust me, I was. I was chomping at the bit. I've been chomping at the bit for the last probably three months. This is yep. just, yeah, it's taken quite a while. And um, it's like I say, it still is not perfect. Like to, to even just try and pick up like a, like a litre bottle of water and hold it in front of me, like I'm able to do it. Yeah. Um, but like yeah, if you gave me like a six, seven kilo weight to hold in front of me, phew, like I've it's gone. Really, yeah, I've got Buckley's and no chance. So it's, I'm working on that flat out, trying to get my strength back. And um, yeah, to be on that bike that first time, phew, it was. A feeling like no, or it was just yeah, like real little jittery and yep. excited and um, yeah, didn't know what to say really. So it was, but yeah, everyone was like, "Four, six months you've been off a bike and already like we can't even process the trees and stuff going past you in full gas and wide open and doing it on a rally bike out at Fink." Um, yeah, it was it was pretty exciting to have that thing out there, and I thought yeah, that'll be a good uh, good time to do good, it. Good good time to do it. Yep. Welcome me back into it, and then like I say, I took off that first little bit and. It's like, oh, yeah, it feels all right. It feels pretty good. But just like, yeah, under the braking um, and some like bigger bumps and that, like it just does throw some bit of pain into the shoulder. Yep. But, yeah, we're able to, yeah, string about, yeah, 100 Ks in that day and um, on the bike and had a had a rad old time. That's so cool. Can we talk about Dakar this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah, tell me about that. <laughs> Where do we start with that? Jeez. Oh, yeah. Um, Fast. Fast. Incredibly su- fast. Super fast. Um, Dakar. Fuck, it's, the speeds seem to be uh, just just crazy, hey? Yeah, yeah. They, they, it's it's crazy. Like we're trying to get, trying to take speed out of it, aren't they? Trying to take speed out yeah. of it, but then it's just like they throw us onto courses, and it's just you're on a road for 10, 15 k's, and just yep. wide open full gas, and it's like, well, so it's it's hard to kind of 
know the direction of what they're doing and where they're going. It's and a bit confusing, just, to be honest, is yeah, it? Yeah, it's really confusing. Yep. And then they're going, ah, like, we want the race to be safe, but we're only going to give you six tyres for the race. And it's like, well, like, tyres is our main point of contact to the ground. Like, this yep. is, that's all we've got for grip. <laughs> like, and you've only given us half of what we use. Like, it's some, yeah, like, it. I can understand their reasoning to it because if they go, well, if you've only got six tyres, you're not going to go as fast. Mm. But for the first nine days, like I've, like you were, we were pretty much pinned the whole time, like in the first nine days. So day nine, yeah, being the one, the day I crashed, um, yeah, definitely, definitely hurt. Um, well, I don't remember it, so it didn't hurt that much, but it hurts now. Um, just yeah. thinking that, yeah, we're, we were in a pretty good position, good spot and a place we needed to be. But um, yeah, the, the, the tyre, Nothing to do with the, the quality of the tyre or from Michelin themselves. Um, we've just had a bit of a rocky stage and we've clipped something in a little bank or something like that. I remember one um, right-hand turn that basically um, I felt like a hard, like a bit of a thud. Didn't yep. really think anything of it. Um, and then, yeah, we got to the fuel stop and had a big, like, nick, big slice in the tyre. And so at the fuel stops, we weren't able to like try and assist or do anything yep. with the um, – you're not allowed to work on the motorcycle and not allowed to touch it. So, Is that something that's different from the past? Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah before well. you're able to do whatever you wanted at fuel yep. stops. So if um, yeah, you broke a clutch lever or you broke a front brake lever, bent a rear brake pedal, yep. lost a gear, lever, gear change lever, um, you're, if you've got a spare, you're able to put it on in those fuel stops. But, yeah, this year you weren't allowed to do anything in there. So it's just refuel only, drink food chill so mm. um yeah so I, I basically had to do 120 kilometers on the tire that day uh in the afternoon and then um yeah worst part was then i um uh it was marathon stage so i couldn't get a new tire um had to be that tire the new rule was we're not allowed to switch tires between other competitors and that anymore yep. so all the tires are marked and stamped with like my name, my code. Um, so if we change a tire, it's like a half hour penalty. Wow. So yeah, I honestly thought after that stage um, eight that basically my, uh, or stage seven, and then had to do stage eight on that tire. I thought stage eight, I'm out, I'm, I'm yeah. going home because it's, um, that tire is not going to last. And so I tried to do whatever. <laughs> This old bush mechanic thing is just taken off massively now, and it's real pretty cool. I'm still getting tagged in so much stuff, like from people all around all around the world, um, just fixing things the most dodgiest ways. And I'm like, please don't hurt yourselves doing all this stuff. Like, I don't care about my life too much, but I don't want you hurting yourself yeah. and calling me back up and saying, "Well, it worked for you, but it didn't work for me. What the hell?" Like, so. But it's cool. It's cool. Everyone's um, still to this day still posting stuff and tagging <laughs> me in things. So it's it's. it's Did funny. you think that would blow up that much? No, not at all. I just didn't. It's just you want to get by. Yeah, I just wanted to get by. I just wanted yeah. to get through the day and hopefully survive. And like my thought was like maybe I'd wrap wire around the tire all the way yep. through and then like tie it off and knot it and stuff. But then I was like, well, if the wire cuts and then it then starts flicking up and it, like slice me open in the back or puts a hole in my fuel tank, like yep. there's a risk there. And I'm like, the only thing I can really kind of do is try and put some tape over the hole and stop dirt from going in there and breaking my moose and the bib down. 
um, and then just like wrap heaps of zip ties around it and get everything sorted um, and try and hold it together. So I knew they weren't going to last the whole day, but I was like, if I can at least get it to last for 150 kilometers, the yeah. next day was like a 600 kilometer stage. So on total, I think I did like 705 kilometers like on that tie that was nicked and cut. And um, yeah, it held together somehow, mysteriously, miraculously, everything. I just, yeah, I thanked all my lucky stuff. I think I used all my luck up in that one one yeah. day. And then, yeah, the bad news of day nine, um, ending up on my head and uh, yeah, and then destroying all my shoulder. So um, yeah, the, the first initial reports that everyone was saying like, I don't remember being on the ground there and seeing the boys that were pulling up for me and nothing. I can't recall that. I was uh, first bit I kind of remember was they were trying they were dragging me out of the helicopter, um, and they started they had like that soft little bed oh, yeah, um, yeah. stretcher thing yep. that, that like kind of wraps you around and holds you. And the worst part was that you're laying down. It was all pretty good. And then when they pick up the sides and all the sidewall it would then like crush me up like this in my shoulders and uh, I'm just like, stop this, no, give me some pain relief, stop. And then- uh, Hand me the whistle. Big, I'm like, give me the whistle, <laughs> give me something. And then it's like losing my mind, like, cause it was just like crushing. I could feel everything in my shoulder crunching and I'm like, God damn it. Like, and they, they just kept going, just kept lifting me up and I'm just in there good screaming, like losing my mind at them. I felt bad cause I was like, yeah, just not getting any pain relief and nothing to kind of settle me. But um, yeah, I was, I felt bad. I was losing my mind at them so much, but I was just like, um, this, this is not fun guys. This is not yeah. like a, an enjoyable experience I'm having right now. That wasn't a helicopter ride that I wanted and a joy flight. So um, yeah, we then got into the, uh, the hospital there and got all kind of calmed down and settled. And then um, actually then was Luciano got there beside me in the bed. I think he crashed the same day as well. Um, and then he comes in and I'm like, it was all like, like curtains around us and uh, around me. And then I could hear this voice and it sounded like Luciano. And I'm like, shit, it's strange. I'm like, Luciano, is that you? Luciano. And then he's like, yeah, 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 it's me. What? Who's that? I said, it's Toby. Ah, what are you doing in here? I said, well, same thing you're probably doing, mate. We, we, <laughs> we're done. We're out. Like, ah, oh, he goes, they're not giving me nothing. I'm frigging in pain to help. Like, this, this is hell. This is torture. I'm like, dude, trust me. Tell me about it. I said, I'm only just starting to settle down now. I said, you've got about another 15, 20 minutes before you settle down. <laughs> so, yeah. And then after that, like, they came in and gave us some pain relief and got all sorted. But then, uh, yeah, I had four, four or five days. Um, basically, the day of the rally finishing was yep. I got had a flight to get out of um, Saudi Arabia. And... Um, Flew to Dubai and then direct straight on a flight from there back to uh, Brisbane here. Um, and yeah, worst part was like I had to had to quarantine for the 14 days with a broken shoulder um, at the PA hospital in yeah. Brisbane, uh, Princess Alexandra Hospital. So look, definitely better than being at a hotel, like on my own, nothing, no pain relief and stuff. So I had people there that if I was in pain, I could get something to just try and calm it. Yeah. But yeah, I had to stay there for 14 days, like the quarantining and um, yeah, with a broken shoulder. And uh, yeah, then it was like two days after uh, my doctor, um, he was up in Darwin doing some surgeries. And then two days after I got out, then he was back home. So then I went straight in for surgery then. And um, yeah, everything was 
yeah, pretty messed up and wasn't an easy job and wasn't an easy fix and uh, did the first mm-hmm. surgery and my collarbone was quite weak. Um, my AC joint was all um, busted up and torn yeah. torn to shreds and um, all the ligaments in my shoulder were gone. Um, so they put a plate over the top of my collarbone because it was really weak. If we put the ligaments in place and over the collarbone, it would just snap the collarbone straight away. So they like kind of bit down in here pretty tight where it was quite strong um, just to give it the strength. Refixed all my AC joint and got that all kind of cleaned up and back into place. And then, um, yeah, while I was at it, uh, two weeks later, I went back in and had both my um, carpal tunnels operated on at the same time. Yeah. And um, just because, yeah, the last probably two years, I've just had real numb, like tinglingness in my fingers. While you're riding? While I'm riding. Yeah. uh, Just wake up in the morning, can't feel my hands and stuff like that. So it's good to have that all kind of fixed and dialed back in again now and then um that like at that point too i actually it wasn't an infection but i just had this like fluid build up in my shoulder it was like starting to like bubble a little bit and, yep. and then actually burst and then it was just um just leaking fluid well, it wasn't blood it wasn't nothing like pus greeny whatever it was but nothing serious they then re-nicked that back open when they did my carpal tunnels and they just gave it a bit of a flush out and clean out and then um, stitched it all back up. And then two weeks later, I went to bed uh, Wednesday night and woke up Thursday morning and basically my shoulder was back down here and collarbones up like this. And I'm like, damn, that doesn't look right. It doesn't feel right. And But it was strange. It wasn't even hurting. It didn't, I didn't feel it like through the night, didn't wake up from it. I just woke up and then went to have a shower and looked in the mirror and was like, shoulder shouldn't look like that. That's how it was before. So <laughs> I sent some pictures to my doctor and um, uh, Steve Andrews in at yep. Brisbane Private and um, he's like, oh, doesn't, yeah, it doesn't look that great. I'll come in and I'll tell you some x-rays and some bits and pieces and have a look and, yeah, confirmed that it all basically broke, fell apart and... I'm like, dude, I was only like sleeping at night and I had like a sling thing on and in my bed and everything. So like I had to sleep in a sling for like eight weeks or something. And um, yeah, he's like, well, there's only two things that could have happened. That plate, he said, I've never put a plate in on top of someone's collarbone with those ligaments. He said, that's either cut it or you've got yourself into a really shitty position and um, it's pulled the ligament off the end of the collarbone mm. and then just basically it's still attached but it's just really loose and just floating in there now so went back in he's like that was thursday afternoon i seen him and then he's like oh well, i'll see you at six o'clock in the morning i'll throw you back in again so i'm going for a third surgery and uh yeah he opened it back up and yeah it confirmed that, that little plate that was in there and holding all the collarbone for the strength um, yeah, just basically sawed through the ligaments and, um, yeah, mate, it all fell fall apart again. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, like it's just annoying. I lost like that 14 days there and then I lost basically the four weeks. Um, you lost about six weeks. So, like, yeah, Some. like lost lost a lot of time there and that's why it's just taken so long to get myself sorted. And only just about in the last month, month and a half is where I start to feel normal again. And, um, yeah, it was just like the small goals and achievements that was like I couldn't even lift my arm up like above my chest and then it was like then I could reach the bottom of my jaw and then it was like yep. then when I had a shower I could actually reach my head and dr- start to dry my hair and I'm like Phew. it's just like small baby steps of just but each like 
week that went by it was like a new challenge of like right sweet now i need to reach the top of my head yep. and and then yeah we got to that and i was like all right sweet now i need to try and get my hand above my above my head so it's just it's just been like a non-stop thing um but yeah like in the trophy truck it was all good on the bike it's still a little bit uncomfortable but um yeah we'll uh hopefully in another month's time then we'll be all good to go so which we'll we'll head overseas pretty soon and get ourselves organized and um sorted for january again we uh like i say we need to need to get that dakar one back in our hands it's definitely getting a little bit annoying <laughs> but all good the um that stuff looked like with a snipper cable didn't it yeah it's like the ligament ligament the so yeah ligament. like with a snipper cable type thing like real thin real thin like it's yeah the, um steve gave it to me and it's like it was really soft and like you could roll it up in like nearly like a little ball wow and then you just pull it out and stretch it and, and try and break it and stuff like you can't do anything with it like it's super and then steve said well i've never had one of these break ever on me so he said i don't know what's going on like what what have you been doing i said nothing i said i've been in the sling the whole time yep. biding by everything i said because i want to start riding asap um yes yeah, so it's super strange i've, I've done hundreds hundreds of these surgeries never had one break everyone that i've done walks out of it happy as larry perfect strong healthy good to go yep. and uh four weeks it took me to break it so i was like what what did i do like what, <laughs> what did i do wrong what was like, the wrong thing <laughs> what was the wrong thing but no uh, it was um yeah just because of that plate and that's kind of yeah. glad it's happened at home and actually yeah. i'm glad it happened at home i'm glad it happened so quick yeah um because yeah if it happened like two months down the track then yeah. would have thrown away a lot more time so it was a yeah um it was only four weeks and we could get onto it pretty quick and um yeah here in australia and can't complain it was around family and um yeah it's good mate do you get the time ever to sit down and be you know you signed up for rebel ktm 2015 around then around then yeah 2015 and then was 2016 was my first like win with a factory with the factory Red team. Bull KDM team yeah. Do you get the time to sit down and be proud of it? Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really think about it too much. Like all, all I'm ever thinking of is just the next. What's the next thing? I yeah. just want to. I want to win the next event. I want to do this or I want to do that. Like and, but yeah, like there is some, like time that you will sit yep. there and go, damn, I've done this. I've done that and. One bike at Fink six times, but now one in the truck and one two Dakars, um, one a few four days, one five six Australian off road championships, one a Enduro Cross championship, um, second in Baja in the trophy trucks. Uh, like, yeah, when you sit there and think of it all like that and reflect on it, like driven a rally car with Sebastian Loeb. Yeah, driven a car with Sebastian Loeb. <laughs> all um, this stuff, you know. Mate, uh yeah basically gave old ricardo a hug on the bloody melbourne start line to, done the opening lap of yeah. um melbourne formula one for recognition for um uh, dakar in 2019 and just like all little things like that you just like they're Cut. cool things to do but when you're just so busy you just like just kind of gets shuffled away yeah. and then when, once you do sit there you, you need to do it too like you need to reflect and look back and stuff and go for i've done some pretty cool things and yeah, whether I, I walk away now or I walk away in 30, 40 years' time, like, no matter what, I think I'm going to hang my helmet up happy hmm. um, and and know each and every time I got onto a bike, into a car, um, was in a public place, I gave 100% and, um, 
gave gave time to people, gave 100% on the bike, 100% in driving cars. Um, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's just cool. Like to, I'm nowhere near the level like Travis Pastrana, but it's cool. I've got the same initials. I'll, I'll claim that. Um, but <laughs> just for what that guy's done, like it's just cool to see that like, yeah, I'm able to kind of adapt to things like how he does. And um, But yeah, it's just like, yeah, can't, can't, can't take it all for granted and um, can be all taken away pretty quickly. But we've, yeah, we can walk away pretty pretty damn stoked and happy. So what do you do now? Work on bike fitness for the next whatever time? You've got yeah, Ironman this weekend? Yeah, I'm uh, gonna go ahead at um, Transmoto um, at Kubi Dam. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I've only ridden a bike once since January, and uh, I'm gonna jump in the eight-hour Transmoto um, Ironman class, and I, I need to beat myself back into shape. And that's uh, yeah. I've been doing training and strength training and stuff like to try and get my shoulder back up to strength, but not any really like cardio fitness or en- endurance fitness or anything. So. What better way than eight hours of just belting yourself into the ground? So <laughs> I don't know. He's just uh, there's other people that do it. Like it's not like it's impossible, and no one else has signed up for the class. But it's bloody hard. Yeah. And um, like I say, I haven't even I've had one ride on the bike and done 100 kilometers since January. So um, yeah, it's just yeah, it's just time, and it's just going to be a good event. Go and have some fun, hang out with some people and crew, and yep. um, like I say, I can go out and do two laps and come in and sit and chill for an hour. Or, or hang out for half hour and go out and do another couple of laps and then go, oh, all right, need to try and see if I can do a two-hour two hour ride and just keep riding for two hours and yep. um, work our way through. So it's just uh, it's going to be good to be back on a bike and, as like I say, just got to start getting re- – like, yeah, January is my next main big goal now with Dakar again and um, we'll hopefully head back overseas pretty soon and start, yeah, just doing all the training and testing and riding and – road books and um, trying to get that all dialed in. Now, Baja, um, obviously Finks, Dakars, you've done some different stuff. Is there anything else on like the list of stuff that you want to do, whether it be in the truck or anything? Is there anything really that you look at and go, oh, I'd like to do this in whatever? You I know? don't know. I've got like um, Pikes Peak. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. That wouldn't be too bad. Like it's just, it's tarmac, but um, yep. I've always watched like Pikes Peak like races and stuff like mm. that. Looks like a pretty cool, fun event. Um, yeah, you're, you're you're on edge if you mess yeah. up there. It's, it's high risk. High risk. Mm. Um, so yeah, I've always watched that event. Um, I'd love to drive a Formula One car, but I think my size. I think they're going to have to reconstruct the whole body of the <laughs> Formula One car for me to fit in. But um, uh, look, yeah, you just yeah, you never know. Like it would be cool to to do some stuff like that, but. Um, yeah, just, I don't know, whatever. Mate, honestly, I think if anyone rang me next week and said, oh, do you want to come to a rodeo and do some jumps or something there, I'd, yep. I'd probably be keen for it. And if it's then someone that goes, oh, do you want to come to the Goodwood Festival and um, drive a car there, mate, sign me up, I'll be on the plane next week. So it's like, I don't know, I just, everything that comes at us, I just, just grab it with both hands and if it fits with my schedule and nothing clashes, then, yeah, we, we grab it with both hands and, run with it and have a go but there's a lot of cool events out there for sure that um i'd love to yep. do some more of and see how we go mate we'll wrap it up pretty much there yeah epic congrats on the oam as well all oh. of australia medal it's but it's a bit of a weird one with that i didn't even know what it was to start with <laughs> like i got some letter like i got an email for the oam and i was like ah this gotta be spam this gotta be just junk mail so i deleted yeah. it and 
steps here later and yep. actually didn't hear from me or nothing. And um, so they were a little bit concerned. They got in touch with my management group and, and um, yeah, then uh, they, they reached out and said, hey, you've won an OAM award. Like, I'm like, oh, all right, yeah. What? And then they forwarded me the letter and everything. Yep. And I said, oh, damn, I saw that a couple of weeks ago and sort of just spam. I deleted it. It's like, it's no way in the world someone like me would win something like that. Like I said, it was too good to be true. And they were just laughing and I said, well, what is it? I didn't even, yeah. like, sounds bad, like I know, but it's the truth. I just didn't quite know that that was even, like, something yep. that was up for grabs, for especially for a guy that just rides a dirt bike. Like, I'd, uh, yeah, and, and has a mullet. So <laughs> to go in a government house with a mullet yep. was a bit of a, bit of a strange, um, strange uh, feeling. But uh, You agreed yeah, it quite got, well too, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was uh, pretty... Pretty damn crazy. Like it was, um, oh yeah, I was like, well, what does the award get you? They said, well, you know, you get like this key to the city. It was like pretty much you're getting like a key to the country. Like you've done, you served Australia quite well yep. um, in your chosen sport and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. Sweet. When do I go and see them and hang out and whatever? <laughs> and, yeah, it was, oh, dude, it was, it was so strange. But yeah, I, I was, yeah, I'm definitely appreciative now that I know. I've read up with all about it and yeah, it does mean a lot for sure. So it was, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm never going to sign my name was OM oh, yeah. at the bottom of it. But maybe if there's like a first class ticket or something that needs to be. Might be yeah, able to get something. Might, might, hopefully <laughs> might be able to slide that in there yeah. and might help me with a, an upgrade. But no, nah, we'll. Um, yeah. Have to put shoes on though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the old pluggers will do the trick. So <laughs> hey, that's the thing. I had to dress up a little bit and still cops a little bit of flack with that. Like Really? I, I was just like. I had a nice little bit of a button-up shirt and yeah. jeans and nice shoes and well, actually I think I had joggers on actually. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't yeah. Maybe I look back now and go, yeah, didn't really dress up too well for that. But but that's you yourself, that, mate. That's just me and that's Authentic. myself. And it was like I'm not gonna like I got the award for being me and what I do, yeah. and I'm not gonna go and spend or well, not gonna go and get a three thousand dollar suit that that's just not me and doesn't yep. look like me so yeah it's nice it is to dress up but um yeah i thought a bit of a button-up shirt and a pair of nice jeans was dressing up for me because i'm normally in work pants and shorts and yeah um pair of pluggers and uh yeah cruising around but that no, was good people like you for the uh, end of the day if <laughs> they don't hopefully <laughs> <laughs> mate uh, very cool epic. well it's um yeah let's wrap it up yep. um congrats on everything and uh, thanks so much for coming in no problem at all uh, thanks for having us and oh thanks for having you and as well <laughs> <laughs> we'll finish off here as well awesome <laughs> but, mate that was epic cheers thanks that's all we have time for on today's show big thank you to Toby for being so generous with his time if you get the time head over to iTunes and give us a rating and a review so once again thanks for listening and we'll catch you next week with another show <laughs>